up, get ready, we're not gonna sit back and wait and allow ourselves and each other to lose control of our fate. There'll be no sacrifice, no more jail, no more pain, no, no more fear. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Live from the Heartland show. I'm Michael James, I'll be your host this morning. And we welcome all friends, neighbors, citizens of the world, wherever you may be. We hope you enjoy the next hour of listening or viewing, depending on how you're getting it. Uh, today's guests are David Orr, the former Chicago Cook County clerk, who is now running an outfit called Good Government Illinois and has a lot of good perspective on what's going on in the election world. And then we're going to welcome Judy Hansen, who is the executive director of the Chicago Children's Choir, uh, a choir that's been around for, I think, now 65 years. Um, we're glad that you're joining us. We're going to try to continue bringing you, uh, you know, the, a show that questions the actions of the rich and the powerful and gives voice to the servants of the people. Uh, we are recording this on the 20th, Friday the 20th, from our home base at WLUW, although we are actually doing it at home because we are in a pandemic still and we can't get into the WLUW studios. Uh, and uh, this will be for the week of May 21st and let's get going. I want to um, call your attention to last week when we did have some technical difficulties. Uh, many of you watched it on TV, uh, Can TV, or you may have listened to it on Spotify or Google Podcasts or you may have gone to youtube.com slash Heartland Media. We had two really interesting guests. They were old friends of mine. One was Carol Travis, who talked to us about the, the Flint sit-down strikes from 1936, where her dad was the leader fighting Bob Travis. And then we talked to our friend, Michael Piranha McGraw out there in Hawaii about what's going on there and about music. You can get all that at youtube.com slash Heartland Media. Yeah, and it is worth the watch. Um, so, and one other piece of good news. Uh, we are now going to be broadcast three times a week on WLUW, which you can get at 88.7, or you can get it at WLUW.org. More on that to come, but uh, we got the news yesterday, and that means that you don't have to get up so early on a Saturday morning if you don't want to go looking for it somewhere else. Okay, let's talk a little bit about what's going on. Uh, many of you know that we are in the, the middle, in the throes of a baby formula shortage. Uh, one of the key manufacturing plants, and there are only four major producers of baby formula up in Michigan, was shut down over uh, putting out on the market uh, contaminated formula baby formula. So they had to pull it off the market and they've been shut down, although they made up a big chunk of the market, uh, the producers market, and uh, it's left a severe shortage facing people with new children, uh, newborn children, and uh, our government and Biden, et cetera, are working to deal with it. Uh, one of the things that they're trying to do is get it so that the WIC, that's a government program, women, infants, and children can uh, not just buy one kind, they can buy all kinds. So I'm not sure of the complexity of the arrangement, but we need to get the baby milk to the babies. Okay, um, 
In the primaries around the country on Tuesday, one of the big ones was John Fetterman, that big tall guy from Western Pennsylvania, who was a progressive, but a, a unique style. He won the Democratic nomination for Senate from this great state of Pennsylvania. Uh, in Kentucky, Charles Booker won the nomination to the Senate for the Democratic Party. Same with Summer Lee in the House District number 12 in Pennsylvania. And out in Oregon in the fifth, it was uh, Jamie McLeod, McLeod, L-E-O-D, Skinner. So congratulations to them. We uh, hope people will dig deep and support you uh, and put in some time making phone calls, whatever it takes. Um, uh, on the labor front, uh, you know, we've been talking on this show regularly about uh, the emerging uh, action in Starbucks, as well as Amazon and other places. And uh, on the Starbucks front, uh, you know, they just had union victory after union victory, but Starbucks is coming back real aggressively. Um, they... Uh, have first said they were gonna give a raise to everybody who was not in the union. And then they've set off, said about firing people who have been involved with the union. So this is something to watch and there's not a boycott, but maybe if you do go to Starbucks and I had the opportunity to do that a number of times on a recent spring drive in the South uh, where we would try to talk to people about the union. And the response was good, except for one manager. I think I shared that last week, but I'm sharing it again. So uh, if you're in a Starbucks and you ask for your name, when you're gonna pick up your order, you say, my name is Union, something like that. All right, one of the most controversial things going on in our town, uh, depends on your perspective and where you're at on it, is the, the mayor has installed an age curfew in Millennium Park. If you're 18 years old or under, you have to be accompanied by an adult or you can't enter. Uh, they've had some trouble down there with exuberant teenagers. And I understand the mayor making a move on that, but I'm not, as someone who was always for the rights of the younger and the teenagers, uh, I, I still, I'm still there. I think they ought to figure out a better way to deal with this than saying if you're a certain age, you can't come in. Um, anyhow, we'll hear more about that. Um, up here in Rogers Park, a little bit of news. Uh, some of you who've been watching the TV knows that there know that there were three deaths in a large apartment complex called the James Schneider Apartments. Uh, he was a Democratic Party activist in the ward, uh, and may he rest in peace. But uh, apparently, you know, the way the law is written, it, you don't have to turn on the air conditioning into a certain time. Same with in the fall, you don't have to turn on the heat. But the residents had been complaining about this for a long time and three people died. And we're very sorry about that. We do uh, want to do a shout out to our alderman woman, Maria Haddon, who was all over this and talking to the tenants and working with the city to try to get these things resolved. Also in Rogers Park, I noticed as I was cruising around the neighborhood up uh, at Clark and Morse, in the parking lot, there were all kind of vehicles that they associated with a movie production. And when I asked some people last night, they said, oh, there's a new series being filmed. So there's some movie action going on in our ward. And I'm always interested in that. Uh, been a while since I had a part. 
Uh, next, uh, not next, but in two weeks on Sunday, June 5th, the Glenwood Farmers Market will return to our neighborhood. Um, as happened up on Jarvis a few couple of years ago, uh, now Morse, excuse me, Glenwood Avenue, just south of Lunt, between Morse and Lunt on Glenwood is closed down, not just for the farmer's market, but also for Le Piano, the old, uh, the old No Exit, which is now a jazz club called Le Piano. And we had an opportunity to see Chad out there setting up some really nice seating for all of you people who want to hang around outside. So that's a good thing. I want to also thank the Common Cup uh, Coffee House down at uh, Greenview and Morse. Uh, they let me bring 15 students from Northern Alabama University. Uh, it was a geography tour, and geography now includes everything, you know, the social, economic, and political forces, not just a map thing. And um, I talked to them about organizing, about politics, and I want to thank once again. Uh, the Common Cup for letting me bring them in. Um, there are also some other uh, coffee houses in the ward that people may want to know about. Uh, that would be Charmers Cafe, the Soul Cafe, Archie's, and Smack Dab. If I left out some, I'll try to uh, try to get it together for the next time. Okay, a lot of good places to go, have coffee, snacks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, it's good that people are all being out and about, but the COVID is not over. I encourage you, if you're going out, if you're going inside, wear your mask. It's important. Uh, it really is important. And uh, if we really want to get through this, people have to repay attention to the issue. Okay, that's enough of the banter. We're going to leave it to Emilio to pick the tune that we're going to go out with. Uh, we will be right back with more Live from the Heartland, starting off with our first guest, David Orr, the former Cook County clerk, longtime fair election activists and head of good government illinois see you in a minute here on the left end of your life i'm a fool to do your dirty work oh yeah i don't want to do your dirty work no more i'm a fool to do your dirty work oh yeah From the heartland i'm michael james i'm your host this morning we're about to bring on our good friend david orr the former cook county clerk the longtime fair elections activist and the head of good government illinois i'm going to read a little quote david so people get an idea what good government illinois is you said when i decided to retire from the clerk's office i started good government illinois because i believe in speaking out against corruption and 
pushing reforms to make government more efficient, transparent, and better meet the needs of the people it serves. I also wanted to support progressive candidates and office holders who align with these values, which I see as central to good government. So good morning to you and tell us a little bit more about Good Government Illinois. I know you, last night you were at a benefit. I'm glad you got up early this morning to join us. So start it off, Dave, fill us in on Good Government Illinois and what's going on. Okay, thanks. Good to see you, Mike. Um, well, uh, you, you summed it up pretty good. You know, it's, it's a small little operation. You know, we don't have a lot of money. Um, but what we try and do is serious research and a lot of behind the scenes political work. Um, for example, we've tried to blow up the uh, misuse of the kind of the ethics department in Cook County a couple of years ago when they, uh, the president uh, fired a couple of people and all of a sudden there was no board of ethics and a lot of things were happening that shouldn't have because they weren't functioning. Uh, some of that stuff has been cleared up since. Or with the state, which has done a very poor job on the ethics and you wonder about uh, the Commonwealth Edison's of the world. The bottom line is when you have corruption and or mismanagement has a cost, okay? So every time Commonwealth Edison spends nearly millions of dollars on questionable activities, who pays for it? Well, the taxpayers. Every time the state legislatures continue to keep Illinois 49th or 50th in the amount of money comes to the public schools, we all suffer. And yeah, with Winnetka, since you pay for schools often through property taxes, they can afford it. Many places, south suburbs, other parts of the city can't afford it. Uh, so one of the big things I had, another big thing, of course, that we try and do is, is protecting the democracy, which is extraordinarily um, in peril. Um, fragile. I, yeah, I'm very fragile. And I, and I don't say that lightly, but when you've got legislators that what are trying to do now, this goes way, way beyond, they're actually saying that we, the state legislature, can remove uh, administrative people uh, from certain election departments. So in Georgia, you got to look out for what they'll do in Fulton County, which is obviously the place where most African-Americans vote in that state. And all of a sudden they could come in, we don't like the results, so we're going to get rid of those people. Uh, reminds me of the Trump phone call uh, in that same state. I just need this, this many votes and I'll win. Um, and then, you know, we mentioned, uh, we highlight good practices. You know, there are good things that we want people to know about, like uh, the Black Caucus's criminal justice reforms. I think that's great. I think this experiment that the city's doing in uh, guaranteed income, that's good stuff, okay? Has, has a lot of benefits. Some of the, the fight for 15, the role of labor in most cases is very positive. The fight for 15 is real. It means if you get $15, you know, an hour instead of $8, that's enormous impact on your life. Uh, so instead of so much waste and corruption and BS from so many elected officials, we just need good old stuff that helps people. That's good. Good little summation of what you do. Uh, you know, we've got some races coming up here. Uh, actually, there's going to be a Democratic primary here in Chicago and Illinois, June 28, 2022. And then the general election is November 8, 2022. So uh, I want people to mark those dates down so they know that that's where they've got to be on that date unless they've done uh, you know, mail-in ballots. And thank you, David Orr, for being one of the first people in the country to really be a fighter for mail-in ballots and, and drive-through balloting, all kinds of ways that people could vote. 
uh, that made it realistic for them in their lives. Uh, we've seen a real attack on that, though, over the last few years, by scaling back in states like Texas that make it harder and harder, more difficult to vote. So that's an ongoing problem. But we've got elections coming up and we've got some serious uh, and interesting races. Um, I know we're going to focus a little bit on the property tax and uh, border review, but uh, let me just throw a couple of things out around congressional races. Uh, you know, I think the one that uh, you and I talked about recently was the 7th District. Danny Davis is a longtime and progressive but aging uh, congressman. He's being challenged by some people. What are your, what's your take on that race? Well, again, I, um, I don't think we want to get rid of people because they're old. Uh, Danny Davis goes back to, I mean, he goes back so far and he's, he's still functioning. He's, he's somebody that spends a lot of time in his district. People know him. His office is dedicated to kind of helping people. Uh, he's a steady vote for progressive issues, no question about it. The problem when some people want to um, go after him, which is their right, we, we need young people running for office too, is that sometimes you got these national organizations, and sometimes they're good, sometimes not good. But when they come out there and give money to candidates, you know, like against Danny, and all of a sudden he's a corporate hack, and so, I, mean, I just don't like that. It's partly what's killing our politics, and the Democrats are pretty bad at it. We spend enormous amounts of money because we don't use the money well, frankly, um, it goes to too much of the insiders and consultants, okay? So, and, and you, they're always this attacking mode. And we're, you know, again, he's, Danny Davis is not a Mike Madigan, you know, he's, he's not a hack by any means. And so to use that money and paint a picture for pure political gain, that's not progressive. So, uh, yeah, run for office, challenge people, but keep it within the bounds of decency. That would be my suggestion there. And Danny's a great guy. Uh, what, what's your general take on the, the new Illinois map? We lost a congressional district, I believe. And um, we have some redistricting going on that really puts Democrats up, you know, some progressive Democrats up against each other. What's your thought on that? Well, one, remember, uh, oh, two things before earlier, you were introduced as a Democratic primary. It's also Republican. Um, yes. <laughs> but uh, on the statewide mapping, the kind of the good news, if you notice it this morning in the paper, is finally the census we all knew was rigged and corrupt under our friend Trump. Um, that now, remember, these years have been bashed. You know, Illinois is terrible. The Republicans, oh, Illinois is losing people. Nobody wants to live here, all that kind of stuff. Well, it turns out that was wrong. And the latest count says we went up uh, a quarter million. Okay, so there is still some question about should we have lost a Democratic seat, whether or not that'll make any difference. Um, again, I don't have a lot of comment on individual races right now. Um, I just think, what, like what I said earlier, I think Democrats, you know, when, when you get caught in between, we have a lot of good progressive Democrats, uh, but the other hand, people are always still trying to get that money. And unfortunately, they have to because the right wing and others, including some of our friends, have blocked real campaign finance reform. So what's happened is Democrats, in some cases, try and play both sides. And so if you lose that message to working people, because you don't keep reminding them, wait a second, you're the party that supports minimum wage. 
You're the party that has brought more wage increases to anybody, not the others. Okay. You're the party that supports paid sick leave. You know, when you do these kinds of things, um, you really help people. And so I, I, my main thing is I think Democrats got to keep up that message and not be afraid of the dollars. But we need to be smarter how we use those dollars. Um, just one example, you know, Virginia, we didn't need to lose Virginia. Virginia had done so much at Virginia Democrats for people. I know maybe 300,000 people that got medical benefits they didn't get before, all sorts of things. But that wasn't part of the campaign. That campaign spent too much time trying to um, suggest that the Republican candidate was too close to Trump. He is a right winger and he shouldn't have been elected, but we lose that stuff. Um, and so to me, the party of progressive Democrat is keeping up those issues that affect real people every day, uh, not some of the crap that we're dealing with. Well, let's follow up just a little bit more on that before we turn to some local races. Uh, uh, what what would you, as someone who's been around and involved in elections for as long as I've known you, uh, and that's a long time, uh, about what we should be doing in 2022 midterms to turn out the vote? I mean, we know that there are 13 million plus new 18-year-olds coming on. We know that we have the Supreme Court, uh, you know, Roe versus Wade decision in the wings. Uh, there's a lot of things that maybe can help us. But your sense of how we turn out more people. Fire um, them up. Okay, well, two things off the top of my head. One is the problem, again, remember in Illinois, it's got this split personality. You've got progressive Democrats, but by and large, the hack Democrats are in charge. I mean, Madigan's gone, but he's very much influencing things. And so what I mean by that is often the insiders are more interested in building their own bases than necessarily winning the election. What I mean by that, for years and years, I watched how the party money would go to certain committeemen. They didn't register people. They didn't want to register people that might vote against them in the next you know, local election. Uh, so give it to the groups that do something. League of Women Voters, there's a lot of good um, ICRR, you know, groups that really register people. Give the money to where the people are. Part of the problem when I say about the Democrats in Illinois is too many of them are afraid of the progressives. So they're afraid, yes, they can help us win in November, but then they might throw us out in February. Uh, that's one, and the other is certainly uh, what I just said before, that message, you, you have to show to people, prove to people. Again, it's amazing how many uh, people believe the Republicans are helping them in their daily lives. Uh, it's just nuts because everything that we believe in, and there are some good Republicans, but almost everything we believe in, they've been opposing. And so that has to be in the message. And if you can't say that message because you're getting too much corporate money, then you're hurting the cause. You know, well, uh, mm -hmm. let's go to uh, some local races. And uh, you were, you and I were talking, and uh, two of the uh, the important races that a lot of people don't pay a lot of attention to are the race for the Cook County Assessor. And also uh, the race, what's the other one for? Uh, the Board of Review is related. Board of Review. So tell us about what those two things do and what's going on. Because we know that Fritz Cahey uh, is a progressive fellow and he won last time and he has brought a lot of reforms, but he's obviously being challenged by bigger money interests. Um, mm -hmm. And then the, the Board of Review is something else that I'm not even really familiar with, but I'm learning. 
Well, most voters aren't, and that's why it's there. Remember, I'm always looking for those structural things that the hacks over the years of the old machine are put into place to be cash cows for themselves, okay? Not really helping the voters much. And it's that's why I think these two races, the assessor's race is so important, is that um, I think I said earlier that we have a serious problem with property taxes. One, because the state doesn't do its job. Illinois is always 49th, 49th or 50th, meaning all the other states pay more from the state to help for pay with public education. When you don't, you leave the local groups at the mercy of what they can raise from property taxes. When that care will met, they can find, they can raise property taxes, There's plenty of wealth there. But in a lot of places in the south suburbs, other places or in parts of the city, it's really hard to do. So that's part of the problem. And I'm, I'm sick of some of the state legislators um, who are someone behind uh, Kagi's opposition, do nothing, they sit on their asses, but then they're looking for a villain to blame for the problems. Beyond that is, um, this is so important because, um, you know, we have Robin Hood in reverse here in Cook County. And it's not because the Madigan led groups just wanted to rob people. It's just, that was a good way for the party to make a lot of money. What do I mean by that? Okay. What's clear what happened under Berrios. Remember Berrios was a hack was at the board of review and then Madam Madigan made him county chair and county assessor. Very powerful position. It's been proven unquestionably, okay, that what he did basically is to give tax breaks, well, no, excuse me, he would um, underassess, okay, that was his job, just underassess some of the big fat cats downtown, big commercial property, not just downtown, Orange and a hotel, you know, a lot of places like that. It, so the result would be they would pay less taxes. And then the homeowners have to pick that up. In some cases, average homeowners may be paying $1,000 more every year for taxes because of what the assessor um, did before under Barrios or now what the Board of Review is doing. So, so it's fairly simple. It's Robin Hood in reverse. Kagi has changed that. He gets won all sorts of awards from national groups because he's assessing property more accurately. Now, people scream. You know, I got friends that scream because a lot of property values went up particularly in the housing market, surprisingly. Um, but it, always look to the opposition, okay? Who's behind his opponent, okay? Number one, certain of the of trade unions, ones that Madigan has a great deal of influence over them, very powerful. One of them gave her a million dollars just the other day, okay? Uh, who knows whether or not the members voted on that, I doubt it. Um, and the big powerful real estate interest downtown, that like the breaks, they like the fact that they can get away without paying their fair share. And so this is a colossal battle, okay? And basically they want a reformer out. I mean, I, I may be simplifying it. There's always problems. So if you go over an office like Barrios that didn't have many, that many skilled people, it was a very political office. They didn't even do most of the work they were supposed to. Okay, so that is important because Fritz's victory, Fritz Kage's victory, was a step in the right direction. And it really scared the hell out of some of these powerful pals. This should never happen. And no offense to Mike Madigan, to Ed Burke, to all these other people. No one should be allowed to have, who's got a crucial government position with a fiduciary responsibility to the public. No one should be allowed to then represent all these big firms. So Ed Burke, chairman of finance committee, is representing United Airlines. 
Okay, so the public really wants everyone to pay their fair share. But Ed Berg is representing somebody that only can make more money if they don't pay their fair share. So you get you get the drift. Um, so it was great that we made those changes. Very difficult to do because the power of the party. Um, Fritz's opponent, a woman named Carrie Steele, supported burials all the way through. Um, anyway. Isn't her husband a, kind of a, a conservative guy who uh, has made a lot of money off of people? Well, I don't know. Her husband is a very controversial figure by the name of Mays Jackson. He's been a radio personality. I'm not sure. I think he had to leave VON, but he's, he's, and I don't know if it's popular, but he's, he's a radio personality. The difficulty is he has a strong reputation of uh, anti-Semite, anti-immigrant, um, um, you know, a lot of trouble there. I mean, recently there were several Jewish legislators that called upon him to stop saying some of the outrageous things on the show, or when people call into say outrageous things to not correct them. Um, and again, I, I don't think it's fair uh, to you know, say always blame the spouse for you know something, but it'd be different, but this has been happening for years. If it just happened once and Carrie Steele said, oh, this is terrible and I don't believe in what he's saying, um, but it, it's been happening for years and I've, I've never heard a peep about it except now. Uh, so yes, very controversial character. Um, in fact, he was saying really a lot of nasty things about Tony Breckwinkle when, when the party actually voted to endorse Fritz in a very close battle, and Tony Breckwinkle as president of the Democratic Party too, as chair of the Democratic Party, was part of that. Um, so yeah, very controversial. David, do you see, do you see uh, this uh, Samantha Steele uh, challenge to Kehi as a uh, it's a close race. Uh, uh, very important. Let me stop you. Some, uh, but there's two steals. One's a reformer, okay. one's not. I got it. The two of them mixed Steele. up. Carrie Steele, who is Carrie. chairman of the Water Reclamation District, that's not known for reform. Otherwise, our friend Deborah Shore would have been its chairman. Uh, now that's Carrie Steele. Okay. Right, Samantha okay. Steele. I apologize. <laughs> that's okay. Samantha Steele is a young woman who is a professional assessor professional assessor, and she is challenging a gentleman by the name of Mike Carbonacci. In the, so there's, uh, nobody knows about the Board of Review. There's three districts in all of Cook County, and they're all up this time. It's usually one, they're all up this time because of the census change. And um, one of them has no challenges. He's the one that's beating up Fritz the most. Because in my view, the Board of Review, who's been under investigation by the FBI, Board of Ethics, Inspector General, um, they, they want to keep it that way. Okay. They, I call them Berrios light, you know, uh, do the same things that we think Berrios did and they become more important because Fritz is not following that lead. Um, so there's three, um, commissioners, uh, Larry Rogers is not up. Larry Rogers is a very wealthy individual. Um, and in, then let's say the North side district, which is one third, the whole County, there's a young woman by the name of Samantha Steele, who Samantha Steele, who is an Evanston resident, who has been a professional assessor, like I mentioned, going up against a very powerful Mike Carbonacci. And I have nothing personal against Mike Carbonacci. Uh, Madigan worked to make him the ninth congressional district committeeman. They kind of kicked out Billy Maravitz, that you might remember that name from the past, uh, because he is a stepping stone. Because if you're the ninth congressional district committeeman, because then you're one of the people that can keep Madigan in power, 
this is statewide, that congressional districts, you have a lot of influence over people. There's people I know that are supporting him that don't care for him because they want political careers. Um, but anyway, I don't, that, that's, the, that's more the party stuff. I'm more concerned about the role of the board of review, okay? Um, and so it, um, I think part of her message is simply, we need a professional, professional assessor and not political. I could tell you all sorts of horror stories about the board of review. Um, but I think those are important because even if you got one quote, good commissioner on that board of three, you can't get away with all these things that they've been doing. You know, right here, uh, Michael and, and Rogers Park, where we both live, that great big building, it's actually in Evanston on Howard. Howard yeah, and the new one. Park. Yeah, great big building. Well, uh, Fritz came in and assessed it, assessed it. The board of view came in and then lowered that assessment by millions of dollars, okay? And so if that happens, who picks up those millions? We do. Um, so I think those are, I don't need to go on very further. Um, you know, I mean, Mike is a attractive guy. He's articulate. His wife was a very powerful figure in the Lincoln Yards development um, and a powerful figure. He's the one, by the way, that the party, particularly Madigan, wanted to take over for Dorothy Brown. So remember Mike Carbonacci ran as circuit court clerk and he was defeated. Uh, partly because a lot came out about the money. Like, remember, Berrios took all this money from the property tax attorneys. And the city kept saying, the county, you can't do it, you can't do it. He said, I don't care, I'll do what I want. The courts finally forced Berrios to do it. And since that time, he's paid a fine. Well, the board of you did the other thing. They're actually saying, you don't have any authority over us. And so uh, some of these commissions, they took a lot of money. And when they were forced to return it, what happened? Thousands of dollars instead of going back to people, they went to the Ninth Congressional District Committeeman Fund or in Larry Rogers Fund, it flowed all into a fund that he controls. Uh, and I don't consider that progressive politics at all. Well, it's some complicated stuff. Uh, <laughs> it is. Basically what I'm getting out of it, the state should be paying more to the public schools than we do. Absolutely. Uh, it, without that, uh, the assessor uh, is challenged because we have to raise property taxes to meet our needs. Um, and uh, I got to say, David, that in watching Fritz Cahey's commercials, one of the things that makes me very happy when he's showing off these hot dogs and comparing <laughs> them to taxes is he puts ketchup on the hot dog in part of it. And for all those people who badmouth ketchup on hot dogs, too bad, they should still vote for Fritz Cahey. <laughs> And, uh, know, you know, there's a bunch of other stuff that we, we should talk about. We should uh, talk more about the old machine and whatever they call it. We should talk about the governor's race, you know, all that. So will you come back on soon? Absolutely. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in town and um, I'd be glad to. Well, we'll there's be running into you. About, Michael, there's a lot of good things going on. There's a lot of ripoffs going on. And we need to know about the ripoffs. Uh, in, us, in order for us to kind of overcome those battles. And we have overcome a lot of them. Well, keep on the case, brother. You're doing good. And we'll see you real soon. Good to see you. All right. You are listening or watching, depending on where, to the Live from the Heartland show for the week of May 21st. This is number 102 since we've been doing it at home. We're going to take a musical break and we're going to be, I think the musical break is actually going to be a tune called Shoshola Loza, a South African folk song.
performed by the Chicago Children's Choir. And we'll be right back with Judy Hansen, the senior director of the Chicago Children's Choir. Stay tuned here on the left end of your dial. from the heartland for the week of May 21st, number 102 in the time of the pandemic. And after all that talk we had with David Orr about the Cook County Assessor and the Board of Review and elections, et cetera, we're gonna to turn to our musical segments. And we're really happy to bring on our new friend, Judy Hansen. She's the Senior Director of the Chicago Children's Choir. Good morning to you, Judy. Good morning, Michael. Thank you for allowing me to be here and your invitation. It's so great. Well, one of the th reasons we've got you on is because I was contacted by somebody and told us about your event that's coming up. So let's uh, really briefly, I'm just going to tell people that the event is going to be called Paint the Town Red. It's a celebration of unity and the power of young people. It's going to be at the Pritzker Pavilion. Uh, on this next, I believe, Thursday, May 26th at 11 p.m. And we can go into 11 a.m. We'll go into that a little more, but tell us a little bit about the Chicago Children's Choir, how it came to be, what it's been doing, and what it's doing now. Absolutely. Well, the Chicago Children's Choir was founded at the height of the Civil Rights Movement in 1956, really to bring youth of diverse backgrounds together through music to create global ambassadors. And it is our 65th anniversary year. And Paint the Town Red is going to be a culmination concert event uh, really for this 65th anniversary celebration. And it's, it's really bringing our whole CCC family together thousands of singers. You know, we've been separated for three years. This event has always been one of our signature events. It's one of our favorite, our whole calendar season. And uh, we're just thrilled that we can bring everybody back together again after being, you know, isolated. These singers really have to feel this connection and their sense of community and the sense of community in our amazing city. So you've got, uh, for 65 years, you've had all these choir kids from around the city coming together and where did they perform in the years gone by? They have performed all over their city, all over the United States, but more importantly, even all over the world. We have been to South Africa, two different occasions and uh, South Korea, and we've gone to India and we've been to Italy and Spain and just a, a wealth of um, experiences for our singers to experience uh, the world 
really, through the power well, of music. Who do these, uh, who are these singers? Are they, are they a mixed group from, are they black, white, Latino, Asian? Are they concentrated in certain neighborhoods? Are they members of their high school choirs or their church choirs? The Chicago Children's Choir is its own organization and they come from all part. We actually represent every zip code in Chicago and we are in uh, schools. So we have a, a partnership with schools in Chicago. We have uh, neighborhood programs that are all over the city, 12 different neighborhood programs from Hyde Park, which is the, the neighborhood of our founding, all the way up to Albany Park and Rogers Park. Then we have an ensemble for singers whose voices are changing to the lower register called Dimension. And then we also have our top performing ensemble, Voice of Chicago. And so we bring all of these singers together to experience, um, you know, the beauty of our unique differences and, and our common humanity through music. And even though they're from all parts of the city, they understand that when we come together, we are experiencing our common humanity, as I said. So do they, do they actually perform and sing locally or in their, their, their group before they come together? I mean, this, these are ongoing uh, choirs, choral groups in different neighborhoods that are actively singing other than the pandemic. Yes, they are, even though they're under the Chicago Children's Choir organization, they are singing in their individual schools. Uh, we have a choir, you know, say for example, in, in Bucktown, um, that Bucktown neighborhood choir will perform in its community and then collaborate with other uh, neighborhood singers sometimes. We actually just took a tour to Kentucky with the Dimension Choir and Bucktown Neighborhood Choir and Beverly Neighborhood Choir. So we do a lot of collaborating and, and bringing our singers together at different times throughout the year because, you know, they are very segregated throughout the city and this is an, a, a chance for them to come together too. Oh, that's great. So how do you fund this? We're going to bring a thousand kids together to sing down here in, uh, you know, in the park. <laughs> uh, the organization has been around for a while, so it, it has some backbone. Do you want to tell us about how it's been uh, kept together for all these years? Yes, well, we have amazing supporters and donors and and individual donors, corporate donors, and we thank them so much for their for their generosity. And, uh, you know, we are nonprofit, so it takes a lot to bring uh these experiences to our singers. And, you know, we are grateful to anyone who wants to support our, our youth in Chicago. You know, Chicago has sometimes such a um, bad stigma about violence and, and um, uh, you know, some of the, the negativity that surrounds the city. And we are doing great positive work. Uh, these singers, we know that music education works. We all understand that music transforms lives. We, we understand that when we feel music together, we break down our barriers and we, we have our common humanity. And, you know, 100% of our, our singers are, you know, are graduating from high school. And, you know, we reflect the diversity in our faculty um, because that shows that, you know, more singers or more, more young people will go on to college when they actually are working with people who, you know, look like themselves and have similar experiences. So we do everything in our power to, we have a future music educator organization to um, really work on, on uh, bringing uh, diversity into music education uh, in terms of uh, leadership and faculty. So you have, it's not just you being the senior director, you also have an artistic director, you have a faculty, 
you, I mean, I would imagine the choir director at X, Y, or Z high school or church is also kind of involved. Yes. Yeah, so, so we have uh, Josephine Lee as our president and, and I'm senior director and she and I have been together for uh, 20 years now. We started in 2001 together, but then we have um, many conductors, uh, 13 conductors in our different uh, school programs. And then they also take over in those neighborhoods. And we have uh, staff that supports marketing team, development team. It just takes a whole village uh, to raise the children, as you know. And we always say it's the team that makes the dream work. So uh, this is definitely a collaborative and a group effort. This is not one person, you know, teaching all these children to sing. This is all of us working together with a common vision and a common goal to really make the world better and a, a more harmonious world through music. Right on. Judy Hansen, uh, the, the event is called on pa Paint the Town Red. And why don't you tell us a little bit about this concert? Because you've got not just a thousand kids from around Chicago, but you've got all kind of heavy hitters coming in. We do. So it's going to bring back all of our singers. It's our, our culminating event for our 65th anniversary. It's going to kick off the, the, you know, the summer season in Chicago. We're so honored to be a, uh, you know, a cultural leader in Chicago. And we are going to be singing our signature repertoire, which was, which is varied. Uh, we believe in music of the classical genre, world music and, and, uh, you know, world folk songs and uh, popular music, jazz, new works. And so we're going to be singing everything from Liberame from the Foray Requiem, which is going to feature uh, one of our alumni, um, uh, Vasil Garvanliev, who was in uh, Eurovision in 2021. Uh, he's from Macedonia. He represented Macedonia there. And we are going to be featuring Jonathan Green, another alum, opera singer. We're going to be featuring Ayana Woods, another alum and a Grammy Award, a Grammy nominee. Uh, and she is going to be in collaboration with Julian Reed Davis. The two of them work together to create a world premiere that will be um, performed at this concert on Paint the Town Red. And it is about climate change. And it, it was really uh, developed by having workshops with our singers. They had input in the creation of the piece. It's called Look Into the Sky, beautiful new work. And then we're also going to feature Grammy Award winner, sorry, Peter Cottontail. I know, can we redo that? I know, can we, can I fix that again? No, that's okay. But I okay. was I was curious about who was Peter Cottontail besides yes. the story. Oh, Peter Cotton Grammy Award winner Peter Cottontail. We we performed with him uh the song together uh on the Stephen Colbert show. And we're going to bring that piece back on Paint the Town Red. So it's going to be a remarkable uh performance. And then like I said, we're performing Shosho Loza from South Africa and Arirang from uh South from Korea, which is the 5,000-year-old folk song that's um, known in both North and South Korea. And then we're going to be singing Baka Shalom, beautiful Hebrew song, Seek Peace and Pursue It. So it's going to be a, a really uh, wonderful experience. Oh, and a little Rhythm Nation, Janet Jackson, we're going to throw that in. Uh, so we go everywhere uh, when we when we sing music uh, with the Chicago Children's Choir. So this is going to be, uh, where's it going to be? You tell us. It's downtown in the park. Which park am I talking about here? It's going to be the at Yes, it's going to be at the Pritzker Pavilion in Millennium Park. 
And we're hoping that people will come out and support. They'll be able to sing along with us. Maybe there are going to be some words on the screen. Um, you know, they'll be able to dance and move and sing and, and just be a part of this great event that kicks off our summer season. So yes, it'll be at 11 o'clock on May 26th at the Pritzker Pavilion again. And we'll start our pre-show at 1045. So you might want to come along for that and watch the kids get all set up to go. And uh, yes, you can find out more about all of this event at you know ccchoir.org our website oh uh, this is going to be good i'm going to make it downtown for this it'll be good wonderful but will there be will with all of these uh, alumni saying will there be enough time for the kids to uh, do their stuff well actually the alumni are part of the program so the okay. singers get to perform with the alumni which is oh, just good magnificent oh yes that's only a few songs in an hour and 15 minute of of music so and we'll uh be singing some of our um you know we shall overcome we always close with that that is you know brings us back to our founding during the civil rights movement so uh it's it's going to be just a really wonderful wonderful event judy hansen where did uh, the title of the event called paint the town red come from uh you know in the old days Red was, you know, moving to the left, and uh, I kind of like the sound of it. Although I don't wear red hats much these days. Yes, well, well, red is our signature color for Chicago Children's Choir. It has been um, for many years, and uh, and then paint the town red. You know, when you say you're going to go out and paint the town, you're just going to make, you're going to splash it, and you're just going to be great. So we're just you know, filling this great city with amazing music and amazing children from the, you know, all of our youth from the choir. And one of the things I should say is after our big concert from uh, 11 to about 12:15, then our smaller groups, like you asked about the neighborhood choirs individually, will be going around and singing at, you know, Cloudgate and heading over to Wrigley Square and singing in Maggie Daly Park. So you're going to be feeling those small little groups are going to break out and continue this great celebration of music and community uh, after the main concert, too. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, now, let me ask you about you. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved. Uh, I know you had been, uh, you grew up on a farm when you were young out in the Western suburb, what are now the suburbs. Uh, and you went off to University of Illinois. You were at Northwestern. I'm sure you sing a lot. I don't know if you play the guitar. Tell us about you and how you got involved. Yes, well, I, you know, always sang as a, as a young child and went off to University of Illinois, always wanted to be a teacher and thought that my love of music and uh, my interest in that would be a great, you know, combination. And, and so I uh, taught in Darien at Eisenhower Junior High for um, 16 years, uh, really, and brought middle, my middle school experience even into the Chicago Children's Choir, but um, was really you know, was really taken by the mission of the choir. Um, Darien is a very diverse community, and I saw what music did uh, for that school and and that that amazing connection that we feel and understand through music, I wanted to make a bigger difference. And the Chicago Children's Choir was something that I just thought could, um, uh, really I could make a bigger difference with teachers and with students and this uh, message of singing in unity could, could continue. So I've been with the choir since uh, 1998 and then 2001 full-time um, uh, when I came on with Josephine Lee as the president, as she is the president. Mm -hmm. 
Well, this is, sounds like a great thing. I mean, I like choirs. I, uh, in my youth, I was in an acapella choir in my high school. And, uh, you know, we did hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah at Christmas time. And uh, it'll be fun. Uh, is there any parting words that you want to share with the Live from the Heartland listeners and viewers? Well, I just want to say, uh, you know, during this time that we have been all really separated and, uh, you know, feeling isolated, that this is the time now to celebrate coming back together and uh, being together um, and putting positivity and beauty back into the world. And we hope that you'll join us with the Chicago Children's Choir for this wonderful event. We've been looking forward to this for three years, uh, coming back together and celebrating our anniversary of the 65th. So and one more time, what is that What is that website address? C the website is cccoir.org. So three C's, H-O-I-R.org. And we'll see you on May 26th at... Uh, 10 45 a.m be there i'll be there i'll see you i'm going to go downtown it's always a fun thing going downtown in my old age and i'll i'll be there in the park for this concert may 26 11 o'clock chicago children's choir paint the town red absolutely okay. thank you very much for coming on hope to see you on thursday thank you so much have a great day michael and everybody right bye, -bye. Okay, you are listening to the Live from the Heartland show, and uh, we're about closing up for the day. Uh, I do want to uh, throw in one little piece of sports news, and that will be that uh, the Chicago, the, excuse me, the U.S. women's team and the men's team uh, have finally come to agreement for equal pay. And I think uh, not only do we give a lot of credit to the women who made this happen, but we also want to give credit to men who overcame their uh, enhanced earning ability that has been going on uh, for doing the right thing. I'm sure there's some complicated uh, details that are going to be worked out, but it is a step forward. It's gotten a lot of attention. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with more of this show, and uh, I'm not sure who the guests are yet. We've got a long list of people. We're just trying to figure where they're going to when they're going to come on. Um, we'll go out today with some kind of a music. I think it might be a gospel tune. Uh, because uh, following our show is, uh, if you're listening to it on radio or stream on a Saturday morning, is Bob Maravich, the blue-eyed soul child with Gospel Memories. It's a wonderful show. Uh, uh, before next week, I want you to all pay attention to political races, get involved, make phone calls. Uh, what happens in November 2022 is really going to affect everybody more than people even realize. So, uh, We'll see you next week, and we want to thank everyone who makes this show possible. I want to thank Emilio Davis, who's on site here with me, well, via Zoom, helping make things happen. We want to thank Lynn Orman Weiss, Imani Warren over at Loyola, Luis Mejia Arenz down in uh, Mexico, Katie Hogan, Tom Clark, and one more time, a big shout out to Gwen Brown, who was the podcast director at Loyola, as well as an intern for us who helped us out for the last year. She has graduated and uh, we congratulate her and thank her once again. So do good in the world. The world needs all the good that you do, that I do, that we do. All power to the people. Over and out till next week.